Hello, this is Darren Pulsifer, Chief Solution Architect of Public Sector at Intel. And welcome to Embracing Digital Transformation, where we investigate effective change leveraging people, process, and technology. On today's episode, we're going to talk about navigating disruptive change with special guest Rick Herman, Director of U.S. Public Sector at Intel. Hey, good afternoon, Darren. Super happy to be here. Hey, thanks for coming on the show, Rick. It's, uh, it's been some time. I finally wrangled you into coming on the show. No, I'm happy to be here. So, Rick, tell me a little bit about your background, why we want to listen to you about navigating disruptive change. Yeah, I, uh, I recently celebrated my third decade at Intel, quite a, long, uh, quite a milestone. Um, I've spent 20 years of that uh, in, the, in the public sector, both internationally uh, as well as in uh, the domestic uh, U.S. market. Uh, and as you can imagine, uh, over that time, we, we've navigated a tremendous amount of change and some, and some very, very big, uh, big events, uh, whether those events were... Um, post 9-11, post um, the Great Recession, um, and, and certainly today, uh, today COVID. So, so, so we have navigated through some very, very significant external forces. We've also navigated through some very, very tough competitive situations and industry changes um, over that time. So I'm, I'm here uh, and happy to be here to kind of share my experiences um, as we've navigated uh, much of that, uh, much of that change. Well, and, and I've seen you navigate it as, you know, I work for you, Rick. So it's been really great to see your leadership through this massive shift that we saw, uh, not just in the public sector, but across the world in enterprise and the public sector. Um, and it's, it's a major shift that I don't think we'll ever see again. Um, it, it's yeah, it, been fascinating to watch. Yeah, it, it's true. I mean, it's it, it's interesting because when you think about the change and you think about navigating um, a, a change, right? We, we've had to navigate um, events that are are enormous, right? In in scope and scale. Um, if you think about just my career at Intel, right? The rise of the internet the dot-com boom, then the dot-com bust, 9-11, you know, climate events that, uh, that, that are kind of impacting uh, our, our business uh, in the areas of like energy, the great recession and in, 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 in now the pandemic. If I look over the last three decades, it almost feels like we are in a constant state <laughs> That's a good of, managing, of managing turmoil and change. And, and I think it's important to, to recognize that because, you know, organizations either wither in those moments or organizations come out better and stronger in those moments. And in my experiences at Intel, you know, has done very well navigating um, that level of change, but it does. It feels like we're constantly navigating, you know, a very, very high degree of uncertainty, of turmoil, of change, and disruption. It's just the nature of, I think, our modern, uh, of a modern enterprise and modern economy. So, all right, so uh, through these, all these, that's, that's a lot of change really in 30 yeah. years when you think about it. What have you found works well, what doesn't work? I mean, how do you categorize all this? Because that's a lot of different things to, to kind of bundle up and how, how do I wrap my head around, around this? I think there are, are very high impact events, right? Uh, 
uh, economic downturns are high impact events. The pandemic is is a high impact um, events, but those events, you know, they 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 don't happen frequently. We're 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 actually on a pace of like once a decade. We see those types of um, we see those types of things, uh, and I think every situation differs in terms of uh, its impact, the level of turmoil, chaos, or change that that occurs. Um, in speed is the thing that I think um, you know you always have to be thinking about because some events unfold over a fairly long term long, long period of time. If you think about changes, structural changes in our industry, technology changes, um, uh, you know they take a long time to unfold, and then all of a sudden you get all of these things that converge at once, and everything accelerates. Right and becomes very very fast. And so when I think of when I think of these events, I think of them as the magnitude of the impact, but also the speed of the impact. Um, and I think you can see kind of very different things. Lots of you know lots of these kind of small change, small but impactful things, but also these very significant events such as the pandemic, which I think for us in this moment is we would probably all agree, you know, we're probably never going to do healthcare the same way again. Right. Yeah. yeah. You know, telemedicine work is forever changing. We were just talking about our schedules for 2021 and looking out in, you know, the June, July timeframe and saying, it's probably unlikely that we're going to go to the typical five day conference. Right. We'll probably be home for three days. Right. We'll do all the, you know, breakout sessions online and then we'll probably go in for two days. Yeah. Right? yeah. And, and because that physical connectivity and social networking is still really vital. But, you know, we, we, we anticipate just very big structural changes as a result of a major event that has unfolded at, you know, incredible speed. So, so Rick, real quick on COVID, would you say it was high impact and very fast, or was it an inf or was it more impactful and fast? Because a lot of a lot of companies, what I saw, a lot of companies already had plans for more remote work, more collaborative, more, and it it appears that COVID accelerated those plans, and then added a kicker on top of it to even to even move further. I mean, what, what would you say? I mean, it was it was a very high impact event at unprecedented speed. I think the the thing that's interesting in COVID is that we have been building out the infrastructure to respond to COVID for a decade. The telecommunications yeah, infrastructure, right. you know, one to one learning in education, right? The density of technology. Um, and, 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 and if you think about the, the, the technology has been there for telehealth for many, many years now, but it actually took an event. It took, it took this event to actually begin to leverage that technology and put it to practical use. It also changed the very policy environment. So one of the interesting things in this moment or in any crisis is actually how policy changes. And I think that's one of the things that you see in these major events that unfold with great speed, right, is a fundamental change in the policy environment. So if you go back and you look at 
you know, the Great Recession, and you look at the changes that happen in the policy environment, oh, we'll, we'll never let that happen again. Or if you look at the response in 9-11, right, the policy environment and how that changed. Uh, and I think we will see very similar uh, things here uh, post-COVID. Um, and so these, these, these events, as, as difficult as they are, also provide an opportunity to take a gigantic step forward um, in uh, how organizations perform, how we use technology, um, and they can be significant in terms of both individual growth, but also organizational growth. So are you, are you saying during these times, it's best to take that step forward? Because a lot of people are playing defense during this time. They're like, I just have to keep my business running. I get the feeling like you're like, well, now's the time to make those changes. Now's the time to step forward instead of hold your ground. Yeah, I, I you know, used to have a, a great mentor who you, who you knew well, a gentleman by the name of Scott Harrison. You know, your mileage will vary, right? Meaning everybody's situation is going to be significantly different. So I'll talk to it from what I've seen the three decades of Intel. Intel has always stepped forward in those big challenges, in those big moments, in those in those downturns, in those disruptions. Um, uh, and they, I think they've always uh, always kind of stepped forward, right, in responding to difficult situations. to your questions about about readiness you know organizations just don't respond to crisis in a moment it's actually the fact that, that you built a culture that has a degree of, of 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 readiness and that culture largely is built on have you built trust within an organization when you go through a major a major situation like we are with COVID, do people feel safe? Uh, we talk a lot about Amy Emmonson and, and psychological safety, right? Have you built an organization that has good uh, psychological safety for people? Do you have a shared purpose and shared values within an organization at a mission level, but also in the moment? Um, I recall, you know, all of our technical resources, yourself included, within, within, hours of us realizing what was happening, we also realized that we had unique skills and capabilities that we could bring both to our customers and to the, the organization. Um, and, and, and that was very much in line with um, uh, our core mission and values as, uh, as, as, as a company. And, and, and then do you empower people? Do people feel like they can be empowered in that moment? Um, I, I am amazed in a company that is as complex as Intel, right? Uh, the, the, the level of empowerment that is given to our employees in that moment, right? To, 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 to just wipe away normal processes and bureaucracy and move with incredible speed and, and, and agility. And we don't always operate like that. You can't, no, you, you can't, you, yeah. you can't always operate that. But in crisis, right, um, uh, you know, you, you, you were asking about readiness. I mean, I think a very, very big part of being able to respond is how have you built your culture? Um, 
Uh, how have you built your organization? I mean, psychological safety doesn't happen at a, at a company level. It happens at the organizational level. It's driven by frontline managers, second-line managers. Um, uh, you know, the, the, the CEO and the senior manager can set the tone, but at the end of the day, you know, it actually gets carried out at the front, uh, at the front, front line by, by frontline managers. All right, so all this change that we've had, you've talked about some, some key aspects here, being ready, psychological safety. These are all really cool aspects. Um, in fact, we saw this, right, with our CEO when COVID hit. He goes, yep. no one's getting laid off because of COVID, period. Yep. There wasn't even any question about it. And I have to tell you, as an employee and looking at all this, I now felt like I could take risks. I could go out and try and do things I normally wouldn't do in this crisis without fear of getting canned. Um, and it, it let me address the crisis, right? Personally and also in the industry without any reprisal, right? I'm not doing anything crazy stupid, but I didn't feel, I, I, I wasn't afraid of losing my job. Does that make sense? It does, but I, and I, you know, I think, you know, when I think about these issues and I think about, you know, how you navigate disruptive change and everybody's going to have, you know, how do I talk about this? For me, it's about having that readiness built in, in many cases already. Uh, and it's, I think, one of the wonderful things about, about Intel, um, we have navigated very difficult times. There is a built-in readiness. You know, the things I talked about, psychological safety, shared purpose, empowerment, good decision-making, that's not just, those aren't just characteristics of uh, uh, an organization ready to respond. Those are characteristics of a high-performing organization, right? Um, and so those kind of basic building blocks, right, of, of building high-performance organizations also prepare you for these crises, whether they're, you know, of a pandemic or whether they're in a structural shift in, in, in the industry that's more of a slow burn that you have to adjust uh, to over time. What, what, what do you think is more dangerous for a large organization, the slow burn or the high impact fast? Oh, slow burn, with, with, without a doubt. Because, uh, you know, if you watch, if you watch uh, a, a large organization in a moment, whether, again, whether it was the Great Recession or, <laughs> or, or whether it was um, uh, the COVID, th there tends to be very little debate about what's happening, right? Everyone the, knows, right? <laughs> everybody has a very good sense of, well, okay, here's the problem. It's a enormous, the magnitude of the problem is enormous. You know, compare that to, you know, a fundamental business model shift or an architectural shift or a technology that is, you know, manifesting itself uh, in the hype curve, but, you know, we're not really sure if it's material to the business yet. How do you make those adjustments? I, I actually think those, those, you know, what Grove would call those inflection points, right, um, I think are more fiercely debated than, you know, a, a moment's a very, you know, kind of rapidly evolving uh, situation like the pandemic. So right? how, how do you put a fire underneath a large organization that's going through an inflection point? Because you're right. I, when, when you said, yeah, they debate what's really going on. Yeah. Um, and I've, I've seen this myself, right? I, I'm sitting there going, 
it's pretty obvious to me what's going on. Why isn't everyone else on board? What yeah. can I do to help my organization see this inflection point, see what's happening? It's a slow burn, but see it. I think, I mean, what do you do? How, how yeah, is an org, I, I, do you survive getting through this? Yeah, I think the most important thing is um, listening to your customers. Um, and both in crisis, but also in these, in these, you know, slower, uh, slower, um, inflection points or major, uh, major changes. Um, you know, your customers will tend to lead you into the right direction. I, I, I think, you know, you need to have, I think three ingredients here. I, you talk a lot about telemetry, which is what are, what are the inputs, right? By which you're trying to assess, one of the complexities in a big organization, right, is uh, by the time inputs get to a senior decision maker, you know, they've been through three layers of massaging and, um, you know, positioning and, 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 and that's really dangerous, right? Uh, you, again, high performing organizations, truth and transparency is a is a you know value of uh, of Intel's. Uh, I think it's a it's kind of a natural bridge from what we used to call constructive confrontation, which is you know you put the data on the table, you don't massage it for executives, um, and you you operate in an organization that there's a high degree of psychological safety where you feel like I can come and I can speak the truth about big problems. And, well, and when you talk about telemetry, you talk about having the right telemetry for senior decision makers to make those decisions. Um, a senior decision maker, you know, where if you're, you know, with the customer, 90% of your job is with the customer. Um, you have a very unique perspective and insight. A senior leader may only get 50% of their time or maybe even less because they're, they're managing, you know, these massive P&Ls. It's really important that from the customer to the decision maker that, you know, that information, that telemetry is clear and precise and representative and not, you know, massage to, 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 to you know, make things look good. Well, that's one thing I appreciate about you, Rick, as a as manager. Um, if someone wanted to know about an account, you brought the account exec in. You didn't say, hey, you didn't write an email to the account exec and say, tell me everything about this account so I can water it down or fix it before I give it to the executives. You, I've seen you do it. You bring the account exec in. You're like, hey, they own the account. They, they understand what's going on in this industry. You need to talk to the person on the front line, the horse's mouth, right? I mean, that's one thing that I appreciate about, about you is you're not afraid to bring your foot soldiers to talk to the general. Yeah, I think, um, you know, lesson learned from really great mentors and leaders at Intel over, over, over many years. Um, and, 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 and for me, you know, some of the leadership traits, I know I have a really superb leader when that leader, no matter where they are in the organization, will cut through the organization, even if the span is three levels, you know, below them and go to the expert. 
and 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 the other piece of how you know you have a good manager and leader on the front lines is that good manager and leader is not afraid when that happens, but encourages that to happen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't. You know, we don't. We don't. You know, oftentimes you don't. You don't need. You don't need three layers of filtering and massaging in between. Right. If there's a general manager of uh, of a PNL, especially when you're operating in a crisis, right, they need to be able to go directly to the expert. Right. I mean, I remember, you know, early in my career, you know, Andy Grove would, you know, sit around, you know, the table in Santa Clara with with, you know, the engineers that were designing things. Right. He would, you know, that was, you know, he would go talk. Like most Intel leaders would go talk directly to the person that is most knowledgeable about that issue at that moment, and I think in in in, in disruption, in turmoil, in, in in dealing with crises, you have to have a culture um, that embraces and enables uh, that, as well as is consistently uh, reflecting truth and transparency, because that is the only way that you can you can truly make good sound decisions, right? So it's readiness culture, it's right telemetry, and it's decision-making. That's how you adapt, right, in, in, in the moment. Um, you, you mentioned the decision-making. This is a tough one, especially in a large organization. Who makes the decisions on things? Because, and we have a rapid process. We have a decision-making process that sometimes, and from my perspective, is so convoluted, you don't really know who's making the decision. It seems like it's group thought. But you, you specifically point out decision-making is key in, in having this resilient organization. So what does that, who makes the decision? Does it go up? Does it go down? It, I mean, g- give me some, give me some, Something about, I mean, how I effectively do decision-making in, in these disruptive times. Yeah, it's, it, it, it's interesting because I think that's a, a question that everybody should be asking. You know, we, 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 we suffer from an abundance of meetings, right, today, right? Yeah. So, uh, you know, when you walk into those meetings, it should be, what decision are we here to make? Who is making this decision? Are we here to debate a topic or are we here to make a decision on a topic, right? Um, that's, again, just good organizational hygiene, leadership, management. Um, I, I know approximately what decisions I can make and, and what my authority is, but I also know when I'm out over my skis and when I need to bring in, you know, a vice president or 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 somebody else that the that the decision is 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 bigger than 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 you know than than one that I can make and when I need to call for help. Um, so some of that is 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 experience, in 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 judgment, right? Uh, th- th- when you're at, when you've been at it for thirty years, right? You you develop a sense of uh, of experience and, and judgment that I think is um, is is really important. Um, so process, guardrails, right? I think, um, you know, speed has become such an important factor in navigating turbulence, 
disruption, crisis, you know, crisis environment. Um, but you also have to have um, good processes. I, I am very fond of uh, Andy Grove's phrase, let a little chaos reign and then reign in the chaos. All right, that was in uh, Andy's um, high output management book. Um, and uh, the reason I'm fond of that is you have to let things percolate a bit, right? You have to let innovation breathe, right? And, and, and the one thing that process in decision-making can do is it can constrain the oxygen and not let things breathe, right? And you, so you wanna let things breathe a little bit, but at the same time, you wanna be able to manage things in such a way that they don't careen out of control, out of control, right? That you don't have resources kind of doing things and applying things that don't make sense, right? We have to make really big uh, decisions about resource allocation, in a moment of a crisis, some of those longer burn um, inflection points, you have to make decisions about pivoting resources, right? Uh, th those those are those are challenging uh, those are challenging decisions. But when I think it, you know, to 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 your question, you know, sometimes decision making can be um, uh, con convoluted. Uh, my my very simple answer to that um, is every person should be walking into a meeting and saying what decision is to be made here who is the decision maker or are we simply preparing the telemetry and data for a decision maker because we need a decision as an organization and i think that's just good hygiene i i really i really like that that really helps clarify because i think i think we all realize if it's at a high impact and fast, decision-making is pushed down the That's chain. Right. It, it really, because you need quick response to things. You, you, you don't have time to wait. Oh, well, we got to have a prep meeting for decision-making. But inflection points, those long burns, there's some strategic decisions that have to be made. And you need to make sure you have the air cover to last long enough through the inflection point and almost almost guide or steer your direction through that inflection point. And you don't want that down at, down at the um, fast level, down the chain as far as you can, because people down in the chain, like myself, right? I'm gonna more react to what's happening in the moment to get done what I need done this, this quarter, more so than an executive who's looking at long-term goals, looking at, these long inflection points. Yeah, and I think I think for for managers and leaders, when you think about that decision making, especially in difficult times like the pandemic or you know crisis again, where psychological safety is is is, is so important. A couple of things things are there really important, right? I think um, one is um, really having a deep understanding of where people are as individuals because everybody is going to be in a, in a in a in a different space you have to think through what the impact of those decisions are and, and you know this is where i think you know frontline managers second line managers are just so critical to the ability of an organization to execute well uh, in a time of disruption uh, or, 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 or turmoil, because it really is those frontline managers, right, that, 
that will help bring the organization through something significant. Um, obviously, senior leadership is absolutely key, right? How the tone that they set, um, the overall culture. But those things are carried out by individuals on the yeah. front line, right? They, 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 shoulder, they shoulder the work that has to be done in, um, in a crisis situation or in you know, a, a time of great change. No, I, I, I totally agree. Well, Rick, hey, this has been wonderful. I think we got some real great value out of, out of your vast experience on, on through three major high impact changes, right? I mean, really, and, and you didn't even mention we're going through probably two, maybe even three inflection points in the last 30 years um, as well, right? And we have big ones in front of us, right? Yeah. Uh, so as you look to the future, uh, you know, the potential impact of artificial intelligence on 5G, that's the technolo technological landscape. But also if you think about the external landscape and, you know, what we can anticipate as we look at problems like climate change, right? Um, part of what we started talking about is sometimes it feels like we are in a constant state, right, of, uh, of navigating difficult situations. But we know that. So part of what leaders and managers have to do is constantly build a culture that is resilient and adaptable and to help people, right, manage and navigate through those changes with a great degree of resilience and adaptability. I think this is one of the hallmarks of Intel's culture, right, which is uh, its ability to, to, to respond, adapt, and, and be resilient. Great. Hey, thanks a lot, Rick. And uh, I look forward to doing more podcasts with you. This, this was a lot of fun. Okay. Thank you very much, Darren. Thanks for listening to Embracing Digital Transformation today. If you liked our episode, go ahead and give us five stars on your favorite podcast or video streaming site. You can also find out more on embracingdigital.com. Until next time, keep moving forward and do something wonderful.